0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Hold My Drink, where we navigate the news and politics with a chaser of civility. I'm your host, Jen, inviting you to grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and imagine with us how to create a new American identity together. Welcome to this week's Hold My Drink podcast uh, with my co-host, counterweight co-host, David Bernstein. Today, we have Angel Eduardo with us. He is a writer, musician, visual artist in New York City, and he is kind of taking the internet by storm with his piece on star manning, as well as some uh, conversation on merit and meritocracy. So before we get to those things, the first question is, what are we having for this conversation today? And Angel, do you have anything in your cup today?
1: Yeah, I've got my uh, my Superman mug with some nice hot tea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love the Superman mug. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It actually changes when you put hot liquid into it. It changes from Clark Kent to Superman.
0: Oh, see what you're drinking out of is just as important as what you're drinking, in my opinion. (laughs) David, what about you? Anything? I'm going with some white wine today. Ooh, okay, that's new for you.
2: New for me, absolutely.
0: So I'm 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 a mixologist today, and I have watermelon vodka spritzer. I don't know, I don't know. I'm trying it out. Something new looks refreshing. <laughs> it's, it's a little warm here in Texas, so it feels refreshing. So, um, so Angel, okay, you wrote this piece on Star Manning, which uh, we were talking about before we got online. I mean, it's sad to me that we need to be reminded to be kind to each other and be reminded that people often, not always, but often – are coming in conversation in good faith, and your piece on Star Manning was just a novel way to remind people that we're we're all in this you know game together, this whole you know pool of humanity together. Can you tell us a little bit more about a yourself and how you came to this idea of Star Manning, and b what exactly is Star Manning?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Jennifer and David, for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be here. And um, I am I'm I'm here from Queens, New York, right now. A Nice, gloomy Sunday. And um, what do I do? I'm I'm a writer, musician, artist, a creative person, compulsive creative is how I usually say. Um, I'm a content creator for the nonprofit Idealist.org. Um, so, if you don't know about them, definitely check it out. We we are a, mainly a job board, so we 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 connect um, aspiring, you know, good faith people trying to do good in the world with opportunities for doing good, you know, in working with nonprofits. We focus mainly on nonprofit organizations, though we do have other other connections there. Um, and I do various things there, writing all kinds of stuff from blog posts to editing email campaigns and that sort of creative stuff. Uh, it's wonderful. I love it. And, uh, on the side, I've been writing, you know, as much as I can in in any kind of creative way, uh, a lot of essays, you know, the center for inquiry is where I wrote the star manning piece and a few other pieces. I've been writing a monthly column there. Um, and where, you know, the star manning thing is funny because I've just, it's something that I've been doing, and a lot of people do, but I specifically have been doing kind of a consciously before I ever thought to give it a name or anything like that. And mm. it's not a new idea, really. It's just, you know, good faith and charity and it's, it's compassion. But, um, it was, a, it was on New Year's Eve and I was kind of scrolling through Twitter and, uh, a, someone who I follow Wilfred Riley on Twitter, someone who I follow, uh, he posted something saying. Um, never straw man, always steel man, right? And somebody underneath, I don't know who this person is, that their account has been deleted or they deleted it or something afterwards. So I haven't been able to give this person credit, but uh, they posted as a response to that tweet, the lyrics to David Bowie's song, Starman. So there's a star man waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'll blow our minds. There's a star man waiting in the sky. Uh, He told us not to blow it because he knows it's all worthwhile. And I, I read the the chorus of that song and something just clicked in my head. And I thought, ah, oh, straw man, steel man, star man. Maybe we can call this you know, conscious approach uh, towards good faith. Um, we can call it star manning so that it has a kind of an actual name and we can kind of appeal to it as a tool um, in conversation and discourse. And um, the motivation really was just that I mean, Twitter is insane, right? <laughs> and I've, I'm doing something very counterproductive, or not counterproductive, but uh, counterintuitive, on Twitter, which is trying to have productive conversations and productive disagreements. You know, I'm actively seeking out people that I disagree with, um, who people who I don't understand. You know, I'll see their tweets, and I'm like, I don't, I can't fathom how this person has arrived at this. So let me follow them. Let me let me start poking and prodding and asking questions. Um, and I've just been trying to model the way that I think productive conversation can go. Um, and then, you know, I I came up with this name for it. So, um, quickly just to break it down, it's, it's a kind of three little pigs, um, progression from straw to star, right? So the straw man is an argumentative fallacy. It's kind of like a cheat move, like a illegal move in argument where you caricature somebody's point. Rather than engage with the actual point, you just make up, uh, you make up a point that seems like it's connected to it. It seems like it's related. It seems like maybe it's kind of what they're saying, but it's it's kind of de- by design. It's made to be weaker so that you can tear it down more easily. And it seems like you've refuted the person's argument, but you haven't. Starman is kind of a it's the third in a kind of progression, right? So a strawman is a caricature of somebody's argument. Where, you know, for example, um, someone arguing against abortion, right? Saying, you know, abortion should be illegal. Uh, they're like, I don't think it's illegal. I don't think it should be legal because it's murder, right? And the, a straw man kind of retort to that would be to say something like, oh, so you just want to, you want to control women's bodies, right? You just, you just want to assert your dominance over women. You want to control them and tell them what to do and what they can't do. Which is not... Not necessarily what this person is arguing, right? This person is is going in one direction and you're kind of taking it in the other. You're making it seem like that's what they're about. And then of course, you know, if you frame it that way, then who would defend that, right? Like, oh yeah, you want to you want to just dominate women, you want to control women's bodies. That sounds awful, right? So it's an easier way to get to get around the argument. Now, what you should be doing is steel manning, which is presenting the most Um, charitable and honest version of the person's argument. Basically repeat it back to them in a way that they would agree with. Right? That's steel manning. So for the abortion thing, it would say, okay, so you think it's murder, meaning that you think abortion is murder, you want it to be illegal because you believe human life is precious and that even the unborn counts as a human life and a human life being extinguished is murder. So murder is illegal. Abortion should be illegal. That's what you mean, right? So that's a steel man, right? You're trying as hard as you can to understand exactly what it is that they're saying, what they mean, and then you engage with that. You could still disagree, but it's just about kind of uh, establishing understanding. Now, the problem is that it's very difficult to steel man people when you are convinced that they're evil, when you're convinced that they're these horrible people who are just out to do the worst and ruin the world or ruin America Mm. or whatever, right? Whatever thing it is. Um, or if you are convinced that they're just trying to sneakily you know impose their authoritarian dominance over women right in this case if you really believe that then it's it's impossible to engage because you're already convinced this is a villain that you need to vanquish you're not going to play fair you're not going to try to understand them right so I saw this as an issue and I saw this idea inspired by the david Bowie lyrics I saw it I saw this opportunity to kind of Coin this term and use it as an addendum to steel manning. So star manning is you, you steel man the argument and then you explicitly connect with mutual intentions, mutual good intentions, mutual goals and aspirations, right? So for the, for the abortion thing, you would, you would steel man the argument. You would say, yes, you believe, you believe that, you know, a baby is a human life. An unborn, unborn baby is still a human life. And killing that is murder, so you want it to be illegal. And the reason you care about this, the reason why you're arguing this, is because you hold human life sacred, you believe that it's beautiful and important, and you want to take care of it. You don't want people to be murdered, right? You don't. You really don't want people to be murdered, and you don't want people to suffer. Now, I totally agree with that motivation, right? I care about human life. I care about human beings as well, and we share that. So now I'm kind of establishing a common ground from which to disagree where the disagreement doesn't need to be so hostile because we share this fundamental value, right? Now we just express it in different ways or we come to different conclusions about it. But fundamentally, we care about the same things. We want the same things. We're trying to do what we believe is good. And that's the basic assumption behind star manning is that most people, most of the time, are doing what they think is just and right and good. And they're just acting in accordance with whatever conclusions they arrive at based on that. Now, they might be wrong. They might have made a mistake there. They might be making assumptions that don't make sense. All of that is totally still on the table, and you can vehemently disagree with their conclusions and their their points of view and their, their policy proposals and all that stuff. But you need not condemn them as moral monsters it's just not necessary most people the vast majority of people are not acting consciously to make the world worse a worse place to live most people are trying to do what they think is right and that's Mm -hmm. the 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 assumption that is undergirding this
3: manning concept
2: so i have a question for you uh, but i'll start with a statement this morning i was on facebook and somebody that I was in a conversation with made what I thought was an outlandish comment. And um, I was, uh, you know, with frustration and anger coursing through my veins, was writing a very sharp retort to them. And then there's this angel hovering over me um, who <laughs> says, uh, says, don't do that. Um, instead, you know, ask a couple questions so I, I, I I'm not kidding you by the way I actually this morning um, you know completely changed it up I just asked a couple questions instead and, and, said, um, and um, you know I don't know if it'll lead to a more productive uh, conversation but and I've done this many times I've caught myself in the act and probably a few t- more than a few times I've caught myself I haven't caught myself in the act I haven't stopped myself because that's not that doesn't come easy to me i I uh, you know I'm wondering: Does this come easy to you? Does it reflect your basic disposition? Um, And then your building, and and because you think it's a better way of going through life and actually creating the kind of change you want in the world, um, is it a philosophy, or is it is it also a reflection of who you are?
3: Um, It's both, but
1: that doesn't mean that it isn't really, really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do a lot of. you know, reply tweet, and I'm I'm typing it out, and I'll I'll be drafting it, and then I kind of pause for a moment, and I look at it, and I go, no, and I just delete it, and I won't, uh-huh. it, right? So I do that, and I do get very angry, I do get very frustrated. It's very difficult, um, especially when, you know, the good faith is not being reciprocated, when you're being smeared, when you're being attacked. It's extremely difficult to do, and I I am not. uh I'm not spared from that difficulty, not at all. It's extremely okay. difficult. But okay. there, there are a couple of things that are motivating me to kind of check myself, right? It's kind of like, uh, you know, you're on a diet, you want to lose those 10 pounds, and then you're staring at that donut and you're like, oh, I really want that donut. But you know what I want more than that donut is to avoid feeling awful after I've had the donut and to avoid feeling awful the next time i step on the scale and i haven't lost any weight. So i kind of i have that sort of balance in in the back of my head at
3: all times where i am i beat myself up a lot for all my mistakes. So if i screw up and um,
1: you know, i lash out and i think see, now i screwed up. I'm trying to be an example and that's now a mark against me. That's now something that people can point to and say, aha, see, even you, you know, so there's that. And, and there's also just the thing of it, I'm wrong way too often. <laughs> so one thing about me is that, uh, I wrote a little bit about this on a, on a Twitter thread, but one thing that about me is, is that any time in my life, every single time with a hundred percent accuracy, I'm talking about hundred percent, every single time that I have decided. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being a doormat. I'm going to, I'm going to tell this person off. You know, I'm sick of this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finally just going to like spew, you know, because this person deserves it. I'm tired of getting pushed around. I've been wrong every single time. There was something I misunderstood. There was something I missed. Hmm. there was something I didn't hear. There was something I misheard, you know, or there was something going on with me. That's completely unrelated. And I was projecting and I was, you know, kind of, taking it out on this person or whatever. And any time that I snapped and lashed out and decided to, you know, succumb to those, you know, the the devil on your shoulder, I've ended up feeling extremely guilty because something was made clear afterward to show me that I had screwed up, that I had made a mistake and that this person didn't deserve my,
3: my wrath, you know?
1: Um, And so I, you know, I carry that stuff and it really bothers me. So I really want to avoid it. So now like I kind of have like a after having done that so many times and just feeling awful about it all the time, I have this reflex now of like, okay, hold on, pause. What is it you might be missing? How many other ways of looking at this are there that you might be missing? How do you know that the way you're seeing it is the right way? And usually by the time I get through that line of questioning, I'm I've calmed down and I've recognized, okay, maybe I don't know. And kind of like what you did, I have to ask a few more questions, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah, that leads me to, to once I've done the questioning and even if I was right about my initial reaction, I've calmed down enough where I can approach it differently. So there's no reason to.
2: You have set yourself up for a very high standard, by the way, which is which you should. It's great. It's wonderful. And I um, I'm glad you wrote that piece. If I wrote that piece, I'd be like, oh, my God, now I have to live up to this this uh, (laughs) reputation. Um, So I was listening to you on Clubhouse talk about it. And um, and somebody posed a question. It was about a broader question about the ascendancy of critical social justice in the public discourse. And um, and someone said, how are we ever going to get out of it? And I'm probably not capturing exactly the, how the conversation went. And you said, I think we all know how to get out of it. Compassion. And, um, and there was a lot of nodding of heads and agree- verbal agreements to what you said. And I did the same because I think that that's probably true most of the time. Uh, but then I started to think, you know what, I, this is a social change movement, and it's probably going to co- involve a multiplicity of interventions and arguments and approaches, some of which could be compassion. Um, and, the, and the way that, by the way, that the, the gay rights movement actually changed to compassion from rights, from, from a rights-based argument to a love-based argument, that was transformational for them. But before they got to that point, an awful lot of people had to come out of the closet, um, and there had to be there were lawsuits that were launched, and those are not always um, star manning. Um, you know, change can be messy and can be aggressive at times. And um, and I'm wondering, do you think if, if there are if there's a role in this for people who don't star man who do the opposite in some ways, but make it so people like you can then show compassion and um, and help. Change hearts and minds.
3: Uh, yeah,
1: people have been asking me this a lot, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And I don't, I don't see, I don't see how um, the behavior of other people who decide to take a different tack and decide to just be, you know, this like a warrior and no, I'm, I, you know, take no prisoners. I'm just, I'm just chopping heads off. That makes my life much more difficult. My it makes what I'm trying to do so much harder because I have to wade through all the bullshit that you know other people cause when they when they behave this way, right? Because the problem is that if you if you're matching hostility with hostility, if you're matching bad faith with bad faith, all you're doing is creating more hostility and bad faith. And I have to deal with all the hostility and bad faith, right? I'm, and it's equal opportunity from my point of view, right? If I see dishonesty, I don't care who it's coming from. I'm going to call it out, and I'm going to say this doesn't help. You, you know, doing this doesn't get us any closer to what we're trying to do here. And again, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. We just disagree vehemently on on details, and they matter. Those details are, are important, but once we get into this territory where we are antagonizing each other where we are not star mening, where we are we are consciously doing the opposite we're trying to vilify and we're trying to make people look as stupid as possible we're trying to humiliate people we're trying to shame them that just makes the communication even harder right all of those things are walls that people put up in front of them and you have to now chisel through it just to get to them and get to who they are and what they're trying to do really and the core of it what what is what is the impetus you know and that's the thing is it always goes back to this thing these you know social justice people i agree with them for the most part right like their their intentions are i want to create a just society i see injustice and i want to correct it i care very much about this and i see things that are wrong and i see people who are not doing enough or not doing anything or actively doing you know the opposite and I want to stop that. I want to change that. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful impulse to have. We just need to direct it in, in a productive way, right? And so just having that in, in, in mind, you realize, okay, this is a human being. And this is a human being who shares most of my my core values because we're human beings. Of course we do, right? We We all have a kind of wiring that forces us to care about basically the same things at bottom. Right? I, the way I say it is everyone wants safety, security, satisfaction, success, right? Everyone wants that at, at core. So everything that everyone does is motivated by those core things, whether they recognize it or not. And when we decide, no, I'm going to pick up the sword and I'm going to attack, I'm going to slay dragons, you need to make dragons now. Right? And we're not, we're not talking about people anymore. We're talking about monsters. We're talking about something else, something inhuman that allows you to behave in a way that you wouldn't with your brother,
3: right? Mm-hmm. But
1: what I'm saying is, no, that's your brother. Maybe they're crazy, right? Maybe it's your crazy brother who ruins Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> but that's still your brother, and you need to have that in mind at all times. We can't give up on each other.
0: But I think there's such a challenge there of doing that. Because of social media, in some ways, because we aren't like looking that person in the eye, or we don't have that you know, literal human touch with that person. Um, but I will say that your Twitter and your response on Twitter and the response of people to you on Twitter is showing, is indicative of the fact that this is what people want. Even though Twitter is not necessarily, or social media in general, is not always the right place, I think you're the outpouring of response to you shows that people, I mean, people want this and they need this. I mean, I see more positivity coming, you know, towards you and towards what you're doing than I see negativity. And I think that's just indicative again, of what people are looking for. And one of the things that you said, I, I really think is important what we forget. <clears throat> and this is, again, I think a, a product of social media, because, you know, it's really more, um, lined up for statements than it is for questions and for conversation, or particularly you know, uh, social media like Twitter, which is you, you only have so much space to actually write. But you're, when, what I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is one of the first things to star manning is asking a question first. You know I mean asking like maybe I didn't understand you um can can you give me more clarity on that and again, social media isn't the best place for for asking questions, but I th- it seems to me that just asking that question and uh, opens up instead of assuming ask the question first and then you open up dialogue. Did I hear you right when you said that yeah
1: yeah definitely that's that's a great way to start I mean that's so much better than you know just hurling a javelin right yeah. Um, you know, ask a question like, "Okay, hold on," Our, and ask a genuine question. Right. Don't do the, you know, I
0: forget. Gotcha. Name, but
1: yeah, don't do the, don't do the, you know. So what you're saying is, and then insert mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. despicable idea or claim. Um, you know, go in with the actual intention of understanding, right? So if if someone seems to me, um, I do this all the okay. time. You know, someone tweets something, and I go, "I, I cannot understand how this person could possibly think this." that that's an opening for me. That's not an, uh, that's not, you know, the door doesn't close there. It opens for me. I go, okay, let me figure this out. Let me get in their head and understand the math. Let me see what it is that they're calculating that gets them to this, this answer at the end of the equation, right? Let me understand it. And I I still might disagree with them, right? I might find, okay, yeah, I see what they're doing, but I, I don't think that's right. That's fine. But you're just, you're engaging with a person now. You're engaging with a person who has a worldview. Now, most, and most people, again, are just, you know, they, they think what they think, they believe what they believe, they value what they value. And that comes from their upbringing, their environment, their experiences, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly like you. The reason you believe what you believe, the reason you care about what you care about is because you were brought up in, in a certain place at a certain time around certain people around certain ideas right it it nothing can occur to you that you know you didn't think like you can't you can't have something you can't have an idea that didn't occur to you right it, like something has to occur to you things have to be presented to you in a certain way so maybe this person you're talking to hasn't been privy to the information that you, that you have or vice versa right maybe they understand something that you don't and so find mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, so, it's definitely, the approach is definitely, yeah, curiosity, approach with curiosity, understanding. Right. That's mm-hmm. the idea.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to continue to play devil's advocate a little bit, even though I ultimately agree with you, I think. I <laughs> know. Um, but, but um, so I know from your Twitter and what, what you've written that, that you're critical of the radical forms of critical social justice that, we're encountering in society, and like you, I also agree that there's that there's insights, sometimes key insights that that uh, worldview holds that we can learn from that can enrich our own knowledge of the world, but that they shouldn't be imposed to the exclusion of every other possible theoretical lens. Um, yet it is a it is a very demanding theor- theoretical lens in a way. It says that. Um, that society is this way. The society is a binary. Uh, it is a power versus the powerless, and it doesn't try very often to make an, an argument. It's sort of a, a point of departure, very often that um, that this is what we see in a fundamental sense because we have the insight to see it, um, and um, and then I, I, um, and, and very often I find with when I'm when I'm interacting with with some of the folks who. Follow that school of thought that they're not really actually trying to engage me in a way that tries to move me. They're trying to maybe at times it's performative, maybe it's just asserting their own power. Um, and I and it makes me wonder: Am I who am I talking to when I if I try to man Am I am I for, am I just sort of expressing my own sense of dignity and how I should should go through the world? Am I trying to convince people who are watching? Or do I actually have a shot at influencing this person who has a worldview that's very much an a priori assertion of where of what they think the world is like?
3: Um, I think it's all of those things. Uh, and it depends on, depends on the individual and it depends on the circumstances. But
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, the one thing that I try to maintain is, well, first of all, I know people are watching, right? So I'm going to always put my best foot forward because I care very much about modeling this behavior because this is something that I think we desperately need, right? So no matter what this person is doing to me, I'm going to behave the same way. I'm going to treat them with the same respect. I'm going to treat them with the same dignity, even if they're not reciprocating. right? So I say all the time, you know, resist, refute, um, reject, Bad faith, reject hostility, refuse, refute it, rigid, resist it, but never reciprocate because all you're doing then is creating more of it, right? And we want less. So let it, let it hit the brick wall and just kind of slide down and just be useless. Um, and, you know, be mindful of when a conversation is not a conversation. If someone is really just railing at you and not listening, you can check out. You can say, look, I, I can see this is going nowhere, so I'm going to go. Right, but you don't need to close the door forever on that. Right, you can say, "Look, I, I can see that we're not going to get anywhere, but you know, I wish you the best." And then that—that's like, what I do. And what that does is um, kind of like what, what you mentioned when you decided to ask questions and you said, "You know, I don't know that I convinced this person." Right, but what you didn't do was eliminate the possibility for for that person to be convinced in the future, or for you to be convinced in the future. You're leaving the door open for future engagement. And, you know, um, it's. I don't want to be condescending and say, like, you know, deprogramming takes a long time, you know, because it's not necessarily that these people are brainwashed and you you have to deprogram them with your superior knowledge, right? But getting through to people takes time sometimes, you know, especially if they're very um, zealous and ideologically motivated. So you can't expect a single conversation to be, you know, the, the knockdown, drag out thing that people seem to think, you know, I'm just going to destroy this person. Well, I mean, just turn it around. What, what, how do you react when someone is extremely hostile towards you? Do you, do you acquiesce and say, you know what, you have a great point? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to in the moment change my mind and say so, right? That very rarely happens unless you're one of these people who consciously wants to do that in real time, right? Most of the time, you kind of go back home, you lick your wounds, and you think for a little bit, and you kind of sneakily change your mind. And <laughs> your, your future behavior reflects that, but you don't really kind of pronounce like, aha, I was, you know, my mind has been changed by this conversation.
0: But you know what, if the conversation is hostile. You know, Angel, you just, uh, if I may interject, you just said something that I, I think is really, really important. This goes back to like the whole social media and the visibility of social media. Yeah. Personally. And I think you said this yourself, so I th- feel like we're on the same page. I love when I'm wrong about someone. I love when, I've, like, when, when you know, when, I, when I've demonized them in my head, and they turn out to I mean, I, I actually love being wrong, right? But there's that problem with Twitter or social media again, where I think there's that fear of being wrong. Cause there's that huge visibility, you know, it's one thing within your family to say, Hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And you know, you're, you're with your people and you're with your tribe and everyone <laughs> comes together. And, and, and so I, I agree with you. I think that um, there that it takes a lot on such a visible platform to say, Hey, you know what? I was wrong. Thank you for sharing that opinion or not only coming to it. So we, we already said, ask questions first, Curiosity. But then I think number two is humility. I was wrong. I learned something from you. And you're not, I mean, and sometimes you actually, you know, you still walk away disagreeing, and that's fine. But we are so scared to say in this visible public space, I was wrong or I learned something. And I think that that's a problem too. And I think where star manning comes in is it kind of flips that on its head and it doesn't necessarily say you say that you're wrong, but it gives people the opportunity. To change their mind without the um, the uh, embarrassment or the shame of being called out, right? So Starman is like, I hear what you're saying. You know, this is what you're saying. I think we want the same place. And it takes someone to that natural progression. If they are even, you can still disagree. But if they are to go that way with you, where they can go, okay, now I've got it. Yeah. And that to me is brilliant. Because that's not how social media in general operates. Would you... Agree. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, the thing is that social media is a tool, right? And a tool, you know, a hammer can help you build a house or you can bash someone's head in with it, right? It's up to you. And, you know, there are, you know, there are certain things where it's designed to kind of stoke, um, outrage because that outrage is, is a more potent form of attention. And so, you know, the algorithms are kind of geared towards that. But again, that still starts with us, right? Like, the fact that we enjoy being outraged, the fact that we're getting something out of that, the algorithm is just noticing that and giving us more of it because their job yeah. is to is to keep our attention, right. right? But we are still the locus of that. We can still decide, you know, um, like you mentioned, the performativity of social media, right? You're you want to be seen a certain way. You want to be um, viewed this way as you you know go on your you know your crusades on on Twitter as you're destroying. The enemy, or whatever, right? Yeah, sure. It's performative, but your performance is still up to you. You get to decide what role it is you're going to play, right? So, what I've decided is I'm going to be Superman. That's that's my thing, right? I'm I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to go into every situation as Superman. I'm going to play that role. That's what I'm performing, and it's sincere. It's I'm not I'm not just putting on an act, um, but I'm conscious of that. Like, this is how I want to do this because this is the world I want to create. This is the environment I want to have around me. I don't want Mm. hostility. I want to take hostility and neutralize it. Um,
3: Mm.
1: And everyone can do that. We can all do that. If we just decide, okay, I'm not going to reciprocate all the bad faith, all the hostility, all the name calling, all the smears, all the, you know, terrible logic and, and despicable things
3: that people do and say to you on social media. I'm just not going to let it, you know, I'm just not going to let it and I'm not going to give it back.
2: I want, I refuse. Given how polarized the discussion has become in this country and really throughout the West, I was talking to a pollster friend of mine who does polling and he said throughout his career, you could poll on any given issue and the structure of public opinion would be a bell curve, right? With the, uh, the majority or the plurality of opinion being in the middle. He said nowadays, it looks like a double hump camel on any given issue with the middle being hollowed out. Given that's the direction of public discourse, at least in the last 10 years or so, and the way that social media continues to sort of exacerbate our discourse, are you
3: hopeful? Yeah, I definitely am. And what makes you hopeful? Because the the same capacity we have to create that double hump camel
1: can be turned in the other direction. Um, like, we have immense power to create the world that we want to create. And, you know, here we are. We're communicating through time and space. We are, we are people who may never have met were it not for our, you know, collective ingenuity and creativity and prosperity, right? And... The vast majority of the time, most of us live in places where we can step outside, walk down the street to the store, and not necessarily worry about being attacked and murdered, right? Like, for the most part, most people live in this reality where even if, you know, they're not in the safest neighborhood, they still kind of can go about their day to day, right? There's a certain amount of good faith that is just pervading everything and we know this because everything for the most part is working right even even with 4 years of he who shall not be named right <laughs> causing causing you know as much mayhem as he possibly could cause i don't know if he could have caused more we're still here we survived right you know th- we definitely were strained we we're definitely frayed but so much of what we've built held and that to me is a sign that, you know, that doesn't mean we don't fix things. That doesn't mean we should just
3: let that happen over and over again because things can break, but it shows that, you know, we have this fundamental ability to
1: cooperate and our cooperation is what got us here in the first place. Like the the problems that we have now are hilarious if you put them in context. Right. So keeping that in mind as well, is like, okay, like, this is important. We still have to care about all this stuff, but man, it's really good that we're not on a field dodging a mace right now. Isn't that great? And it is, it's amazing. Isn't it great that, you know, I mean, we're in the middle of, we're, we're you know, hopefully at the tail end actually of a, of a pandemic and it could have been so much worse. And here we are, you know, a year after this thing really kicked off, we're all getting vaccine appointments that's miraculous. That's incredible.
3: Mm.
1: You know, a hundred years ago, this was a nightmare, you know, and keeping that stuff in
3: perspective helps me at least maintain, you know, hopefulness. And, you know, I believe that people are, you know, with the exception of people whose wiring is really crossed and screwed up. Most people are good and want good and good means what is best for, you know, our flourishing. That's generally what what that means.
1: And we all have that just hardwired into us. And we're hardwired to cooperate. That's why we're here.
2: So you engaged in what I call comparative reasoning there. You said things might look bad, but we can compare to what they could have been and understand them in a new light. And I'm wondering if you look at the situation, let's say, in the United States, where we have disparities, right? We have disparities, we have prejudice, we have racism and the like, and you compare them to what other countries, other civilizations, other time periods have lived through. And you say, well, we have to put that in context as well. That yes, we have problems. We shouldn't use that as the fact that we don't have, we have smaller problems than much of the rest of the world is an excuse not to address the problems we have. But yet, but understand uh, your, your, our, our sort of moral assessment and intellectual assessment of where we are today is based at least in some part on where the rest of the world is as well. How, how do you how do you do you agree with that line of reasoning? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's very hard to tell someone who is struggling. Hey, you know, you'd be struggling way more 100 years ago. Uh, that's, you know, that's not going to be very helpful because their conscious experience is still awful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah you know, we do need to do everything we can to mitigate that sort of thing. Sure. Like, we're far from perfection. You know, we're, we will always be. Uh, but what I think, I think the, the reason for having that zoomed out sort of put things in context, kind of Steven Pinker sort of framework in your head right. is to avoid uh, the feeling of hopelessness the feeling of like, you know, everything is just going to hell and there's nothing we can do about it. No, there's plenty we can do and there's plenty we've done. And, you know, the, yeah, the, the place where my hope comes from is the fact that we have had terrible problems in the past and we worked through them and we're, we're still on that trajectory. We're nowhere near finished, but that's what gives me hope. So even though people are suffering and none of this is going to console them, right? You know, they're still struggling. They're still starving. They're still homeless. You know, none of this is going to make them feel any better about their current situation, right? But it makes me feel better about our capacity to do mm-hmm. something about them.
2: It. And it's a, it's a better, arguably, a better model of social change when you emphasize the progress that we've made, that we've shown we can make, rather than... All of the glaring inadequacies that we honestly do face that we need to overcome. You know, there's a there's a a branch of consulting, organizational consulting, called impre- appreciative inquiry. And when you go into an organization, um, try not to look for all the problems that every organization has, but actually for the strengths that they have, and you use that as the point of departure. Once you identify what people do well. It's actually, it actually turns out easier to sort of build up their capacity to overcome some of the problems. And I, I wonder if we've lost some of that in the current discussion over um, the problems that exist in America today.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think that maybe, maybe that's where I'm coming from. I hadn't heard of that, but maybe that's what it is. You know, I'm, I'm, what I'm basically saying is, look, we're really good at cooperating and connecting with one another. Mm-hmm. We're really good at that. We're just doing it in this really weird way where we're forcing some people out and, and, you know, drawing these strict border lines when we don't have to do that, right? We don't have to, we can, we can, we can turn all of our energy towards our problems together, right? Like the, you know, the issue of police misconduct, police violence, right? That's, that's, a, that should be a unifying issue. That shouldn't be a divisive issue. It shouldn't be an us-versus-them issue. It should be an us issue because everyone suffers from this problem, right? I mean, yeah, in, in absolute numbers, more quote-unquote white people are killed by cops every every year, right? And now you talk about proportionality and all that sort of stuff, and it gets more complicated, but that's a problem, right? That should be everyone saying, hey, let's make it so cops stop killing everybody. And, um... You know, I think that in in a lot of ways, you know, there there are, there are understandable reasons for highlighting specific problems for specific groups. But if if doing it that way gets in the way of solving the actual problem, then we're just we're just wasting time. We're screwing ourselves, and we're making enemies out of potential allies. Everyone, mm-hmm. including including. Police officers who want to do good, who the reason they join the force is because they care about their communities and want to do good in them. All of us should be banding together to figure out the best way to fix this problem because
3: it affects everyone.
0: You know, um, before we we let you go, Angel, you also this is a shifting gears here a minute, but you also recently wrote on the difference between meritocracy and merit, and I would love to hear your um, you, know, you, you to verbalize that for us and, and give us your in depth view on that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So it's complicated because I think there are a lot of definitions around those, those terms and it can get confusing. So, you know, but meritocracy, as far as I understand it and the way that I've always thought of it and used it, is this idea that, you know, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, we have a system that is based on merit. We have a system where, you know, look, this is a race and there's a finish line here and whoever crosses the finish line, they get the ribbon, right? So, you know, it's up to you. You run as fast as you can. If you're first place, great. Second place, great. Anybody who crosses the finish line, that's the idea that we have, right? But the problem is that this is an illusion. We don't don't really have a society that works this way. Because not everyone is starting that race at the same place with the same abilities, with the same capacities. You know, some people don't have shoes. Some people don't have legs. Some people can't run. Some people have no, you know, track and field program in their school, right? Some people are malnourished and so their, you know, their stamina is going to be lower than other people's. Some people are literally just starting further back. So when the gun goes off and everyone starts running, some people are just hopelessly behind and they're never going to make it they're never going to make it you know before certain other people you know it's it's kind of there's that exercise where they they line students up in in the gym and they say you know if if both your parents are still married take a step forward you know and if 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 you you know um i forget what what all the little details are but it's stuff like that right it's like you know if if both your parents live at home with you if if you know that sort of thing take a step forward take a step forward and by the end of the questioning, you see some people are way ahead than other people. And those, those criteria are real and they affect people. Um, and so the, that's the problem with this idea of meritocracy, that we live in a meritocracy, right? America thinks it's a meritocracy, meritocracy, and it is not at all. Some people are born through no fault of their own. They are born with talents, certain talents that are valued less than others. Right. Some people are have skill sets that are valued less than others. Some people are born in communities um, to certain groups, to certain parents, where, you know, maybe there's destitution, maybe there's a really terrible underfunded education system, maybe it's a dangerous area. Right. All of those things affect the outcome of, you know, where where a kid is brought up, how a kid is educated, how a kid can end up being capable of Crossing that finish line in, in all these different endeavors, and that's a serious problem that we need to fix. Right, and we, we need to fix it in kind of in multiple ways, um, but we need to be careful not to eliminate the concept of merit
3: itself in the process of doing this. Right, merit itself still matters, and by merit, I mean that you know, um,
1: if a hundred push-ups is the standard you need to be able to do a hundred pushups. It's not good for you or for anybody or for society to kind of take certain people and say, look, I understand that you're underprivileged. So for you, it's 50 pushups. That doesn't help the underprivileged person, right? You're just lowering the bar for them. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a bigotry of low expectations.
3: right? And so,
1: you know, I, I feel that particularly as, you know, a quote Brown person, I'm, I'm, a member of the of one of the groups that is supposed to be benefiting from this kind of mindset right we're like oh we're going to lower the standard for you we're going to we're going to change standardized tests so that they're less important because as a group you're all not performing well enough for you know var- various reasons that doesn't help me right what you should be doing is getting back to the race analogy right make give me sneakers because it's not my fault that i don't have them right make make it so that there's a track and field program at my school because it's not my fault that I was born in this neighborhood with this school that has been underfunded for decades right get me a great coach get me get me all the all the sustenance that I need you know make sure that I'm I'm as as nourished as I possibly can be so that I can work out more and build more muscle so that when the gun goes off I can compete and I can run just as fast as everyone else because there's nothing fundamentally there's nothing you know, inherent about me that is preventing me from achieving those things from crossing that finish line. There are, there are environmental factors. There are, um, just random social factors that are preventing me. Right. So we can fix those, but don't lower the standard. Don't take the finish line and bring it closer to where I'm standing. That Mm -hmm. doesn't help me that that hobbles me. And it makes me, at least for me, you know, I know people disagree with this and I know people are totally cool getting you know getting this thing. They think it's just desserts because of historical things that are valid. But for me, it makes me feel awful. It makes me feel wow. Okay, you know I can't make the hurdle, so you're just lowering it for me, and I'm supposed to feel good about just being able to hop over it.
3: That doesn't help. That's not. That's not progress. That's regress for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of here's where I'm at on that. I feel like where we can do better as a society is exactly what you said, making sure everyone has the sneakers, you know, making sure everyone has the coaches. But then at some point, you know, cause we all are different and some people just don't have, they, they just don't want to jump the hurdle. Right. I mean, they, they, they do. That's, that's not, that's not where they're at in life. And so I like this distinct distinguishing between meritocracy and merit, where it still says there's a certain baseline as a society that we're responsible for, and yet it also allows for that agency and responsibility um, to say, once you, you 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 we got you to the starting line, now you decide, you know if you want to run the race or not. And so I, I that that distinguish I think is, is, is very very important, where it, it allows both for us this, uh, communal responsibility as well as personal responsibility.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, uh, I think that that's another thing, too, is that people are born with different abilities, different skill sets. You know, the the dials are calibrated differently for everyone, but society values certain skills above others, right? We, We care more about really, really talented surgeons than we do about really, really talented musicians, right? We love musicians, but that's a way harder gig to, you know, succeed at right there are there are many 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 quote unquote failed musicians right we and that's not necessarily a bad thing right because there's a there's a utility in surgery that doesn't quite exist the same way in music right music is entertaining it's enriching in on a you know a human level and it matters it's really important but you know when you have when you need bypass surgery you want to make sure that person knows what they're doing right and so Whatever the bar is for becoming a surgeon, that bar should stay there because we need people who, you know, end up on the other side and they say, I am a surgeon. We want to be able to know that they really are surgeons and that they know what they're doing. Right. But that shouldn't mean that we don't value the musician as a human being. That shouldn't mean that we leave the musician to run because, Hey man, you know, sorry, but we don't care about your talent that much. So, you know, you're going to have to uh, get a job and you're going to have to, you know, like if, you, if you're trying to make it a, as a musician, the starving artist cliche thing, right? Like, sorry, that's just your your luck and your, your lot in life. And I don't think that's fair either because, you know, like some people aren't runners, right? Some people aren't runners at all, but they're really good at something else. And just because society doesn't have the exact same sort of need for that something else doesn't mean that we should just kind of let people go by the wayside right they're still people they still matter so what we should do is raise the floor so that there is a baseline beneath which we just do not allow people to live because it's unethical because we're the most prosperous society in history and we can absolutely make it so that no one is destitute just because they don't happen to
3: be. Uh, you know, a rocket scientist, right? Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. So it's a, it's a tough thing, but you know, it, it, it's really important for people to
1: feel like they've earned what they've gotten. You know, it's really important for me to know that if I get, you know, if I get an award or, or
3: if I, if I
1: get a job, if I get into a school, I want to know that it's because of my abilities, it's because of my hard work, right and you know the 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 piece that I wrote, I kind of used this analogy of this story where I went to go see Black Panther with my fiance, and we were standing online, and a lot of people were were dressed up and they were decked out in, in you know um, african tr- you know traditional African clothing and stuff like that. It was a really exciting, beautiful environment right it was was so cool We were all looking around and my fiance joked to me like oh you should have dressed up you should have represented your nigerian heritage right because um i had just gotten my ancestry.com results and you know it goes right from dominican republic where my parents are born right to africa right so Hmm. iberian peninsula and africa of course because you know we know but um and you know it's just like a kind of joke like oh you should have done that but this woman in front of us overheard that and she turned around and she had free coupons for um, concessions, right? And she said, here, free popcorn. Right. And we were like, Oh wow, cool. It just came out of nowhere. And it took a moment for us to connect the dots that the only reason she did that was because she, she overheard that. And she thought, Oh, he's African. Here we go. Um, and you know, we, we got proof of it because she went and like ignored other groups of people and went straight to, very visibly black people and gave them the concessions and it's it sucked for me you know it's a stupid small thing that doesn't matter but it sucked for me in that moment because i was i was genuinely appreciative of this this gift right this 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 um it was a sign of kindness it was it was meant to be a sign of recognition and solidarity but it kind of just made me feel off because it's it was just I needed to just I needed to just be like a a box to check. I was just a thing. I was just a member of a group. And here, because of reasons, you're gonna get this free thing. And it has nothing to do with you as a person. You know, I'm not I'm not being kind to a stranger because they're a stranger and I wanna be kind. It's a no, I I have an agenda here and I'm doing this thing. And it, it, it turned me off and it made me feel the same way when I heard um Allison Collins from the San Francisco board of ed, or formerly from <laughs> formerly from the San Francisco board of ed talking about merit and saying that merit is racist, right? That's, it's the same thing. It's you're, you're telling me that I can't compete on this level. You're telling me that I'm not good enough to pass these tests. And so the only way to get me into school, the only way to get me on equal footing with everybody else is to pick me up and carry me over there. And I just think that's, that's way more harmful than helpful.
0: Yeah, that goes back to one of the things that I spoke with earlier on this podcast: affirmative education versus affirmative action, and affirmative education being making sure that we've got those resources there again as the baseline, so that there is no need for affirmative action. Um, yeah. as I mean, a supplement, I do, think,
1: I do think you know affirmative action makes sense in in that you know, uh, like for example. I heard uh John Stewart tell a story about how um you know the, their their process for hiring writers was you know um submissions have no name it's just the writing right and so they're thinking this is merit right we're just we're looking at these pages and if they're funny they're funny mm-hmm. and you know whoever is best wins right and he thought this is great this is fair but obviously he's noticing well we're not getting many people from many different areas. We're getting kind of the same sorts of groups of people. So what's going on here? And they realized that they had overlooked something that even though they were doing this blind process, they were only fishing in, you know, Harvard and Princeton and like these places where it's, it's for other reasons, you know, certain groups are unlikely to be there. Hmm. Right. So they had to fix that. They had to correct that. Right. So they had this, they had the, the right idea. Right, blind. The blind um, audition thing is, is a great idea, but they were blind to the other part of it, right. and so they have to correct right. that. So, you know, th- there's a there's a sense in which affirmative action makes sense, and I understand mm-hmm. it, and I'm for it. Mm-hmm. But we have to be careful, like how we're calibrating this stuff, <sighs> whether mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're we're kind of like redirecting the river
3: to mm-hmm. avoid a flood mm-hmm.
1: over
0: here, and then we end mm-hmm. up flooding all
1: of this. You know, there are unintended consequences.
0: And I think we're saying the same thing. I mean, you know, in the instance that you gave, you know, they were fishing from one pond, right? I mean, if, 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 if we had stocked all the ponds um, and, you know, there were more opportunities uh, from which to fish, <laughs> to, to carry that an analogy that I'm not so sure really works, but whatever I went there. <laughs> um, well, I'm almost done with my drink. David, do you have any other questions for our fabulous guests? I'm done with my drink. Um, thank you so much. It was really
2: terrific to be able to actually talk to you and not just read your writing, which is excellent. And I hope you'll continue to enlighten us all and, and humanize us as well.
1: <laughs> I, I will continue to do my best. Thank you. I appreciate you having me and it was wonderful talking to you.
0: Yeah, you're the humanity in, in, in our Twitter, so we are grateful for you.
1: Well, it's not just me. It's not just me. You're all there too.
0: <laughs> We're working.
1: I, I just. Well, work's it. in progress. <laughs> yeah. Well, aren't we all are? But I, I've just got the highlighter out and I'm saying, ah, look, I like this. I like this. <laughs> so we should all just be, you know, let's highlight each other.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of hold my drink, like, or subscribe to the show and check out the show notes for links to source material and to our website, where you can find what each of us is reading every week, different news with different views. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore, drop us a line and join us next week. As we say, hold my drink and the conversation gets real.